the grumpy porter she collided with on her way in. But she's studying fine art, so everything she describes is like hearing a poem of images. But that only lasts a few minutes, and then we're off into a Mills and Boone novel for the next hour. Today, apparently, it's grey outside and that makes the insipid walls of my room look even more awful than usual. The nurse is wearing a dreary beige skirt, just to liven things up. The man of the moment is called Adrian, but I switch off at the mention of his name and don't tune back in until the door is closed behind her. Alone again. I've been alone for twenty weeks, though I've only known it for six. Even so, it feels like an eternity. Perhaps it would pass quicker if I spent more time asleep, if my mind would switch off. But I don't like being asleep. You see, I'm actually not sure if I have any power over myself at all. I only seem to be capable of on or off mode, like an electrical appliance. My mind does pretty much whatever it wants. I'm like a squatter in my own body. I don't like being asleep, because when I sleep, I am somehow even further removed. I'm just a spectator. All these images file past me, and I can't escape them in the way you normally would, by waking yourself up, tossing and turning, tangling yourself in the sheets, or even by talking yourself out of it. I can only watch helpless as the visions pass, and wait for them to finish. Every night it's the same dream. Every night I am forced to watch a technicolor slow-motion replay of the moments that put me here, in this hospital bed. And the worst part is that I know I brought it upon myself. Just me. Me and my icy passion, as my father calls it. I'm sure that's why he doesn't come and visit. He must think it's my fault. He's never been able to understand why I love the mountains. He always used to say I'd come to a sticky end up a mountain. So he probably felt as though he'd won some kind of battle when this accident happened. I, on the other hand... Don't feel as though I've won or lost anything. I have no feeling at all. I just want to get out of the coma. I want to feel, really feel, cold, hungry and frightened. It's amazing what you learn about your body when you're in a coma. For example, the fact that fear is just a chemical reaction. I ought to be terrified every night when I relive my nightmare, but no. I just watch. I watch myself get up at three in the morning in the chalet dormitory and wake up my climbing buddies. I watch myself half-heartedly eat my breakfast and hesitate about finishing my cup of tea, not wanting a full bladder out on a glacier. I watch myself methodically pull on each item of clothing, one by one, until I am covered from head to toe. I zip up my windbreaker, put on my gloves, arrange my headlamp, and attach my crampons. I watch myself laughing with my friends, who are half asleep like me, but also somehow euphoric with the joy and adrenaline of the climb to come. I watch myself adjust my harness, throw the rope to Steve, and tie my figure of eight knot. That figure of eight knot. I must have tied it thousands of times. That morning, I didn't get Steve to check it because he was in the middle of telling a joke, and it looked fine to me.
but now it's too late to warn myself. So I just watch as I wind the surplus rope onto one hand, taking my ice axe in the other, and set out. I watch myself panting, smiling, shivering and walking. I walk and walk and walk, and then I walk some more. I advance cautiously. I see myself warning Steve to be careful as we approach the bridge of snow over the crevasse below. I see myself gritting my teeth as I go over the tricky part, and I see myself sigh with relief on the other side, and joke at how easy it was. And then I see my legs give way under me. I know the next part by heart. The bridge is just an enormous slab of snow, and I am the only one still left on it. The snow starts to slide and I go with it. I feel the tug as the rope that...